This episode of The Wire Stripped is brought to you by our Patreon sponsors, the top tier Amsterdam donors. They are, I'm sorry if I butcher your names, guys. It's Marcy Mangum, Rasul Mawat, Steve Taz, Paul Wallace, Patrick Birch, and Morgan Tanji. Thank you so much, guys. If you want to join their illustrious ranks in Amsterdam, head over to patreon.com forward slash the wire stripped. To living in Baltimore, to understand it being a love letter. You know, um, it took around the fourth season to realize that each season was compartmentalized and was titled and was an examination of society through the lens of the drug war, through the lens of when industry leaves a city, through the lens of education, local government, and the and the media. So it was very specifically laid out like that, which is why there will never be a, a season six. Sorry. Hi, everyone. I'm Dave. And I'm Kobe. And this is The Wire Stripped, the podcast where we go through every episode of The Wire week by week. Yes, and you don't just hear from us, you hear from some of the cast and some of the crew and some of you guys too. So please stay tuned so you can get involved. Yes, episode five is where we're up to. Season three, it's called Straight and True. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. Before we get into it, if you do want to chat to us uh, about anything you hear in this episode or anything related to The Wire in general, we are at The Wire Stripped on all the social networks or email us producers at thewirestripped.com. And we love hearing from every single one of you, so please do get in touch with us on the Twitter, Instagram and email. Right, on yeah. with the show. When you walk through the garden... You gotta watch your back Well I beg your pardon Walk the straight and narrow track When you walk with Jesus He's gonna save your soul Just gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole got the fire and the fury right here we are yeah uh sitting outside Amsterdam. they're yeah. just uh they're just setting up setting up now it's, that's why it's quite quiet guys <laughs> yeah there's no customers here yet yeah of course it's stupid Cru- it's crucial error it's like when it's yeah. like when like um malls first open they just open like in the middle of nowhere and they're like oh well we need to get we need to get people here yeah it's just like that yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I like this episode. I, I, I like seeing Amsterdam come together. This is a Amsterdam episode, it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, as it's much beautiful. as it's like, um, yeah, it's all, yeah, you're right. It's coming together. Yeah. It's the formation of like, we're finally seeing Bunny's vision come to life. Yeah. And I feel, I'm just so happy for him. I am. That his little drug paradise is, is becoming a reality. Well, I mean, let's get to that storyline. Um, let's run through the other ones quite quickly because yeah. they're not incidental, but we, you know, want to do them a bit of service. Well, that's the meat of the episode, exactly. isn't it? Pun yeah. intended. <laughs> Uh, so we've got Damn. five kind of five kind of big storylines yeah. in this episode. Uh, so we'll we'll kickstart with bubbles uh, because we only get a little bit of bubbles in this, and it's it's in the cold open, mm-hmm. and it's uh, bubbles and Johnny arguing about Bubbles' new uh, profession. Yep, uh, what well, pro- professional snitch? He has regressed back to snitching. <laughs> yeah, in, in his <laughs> words. Um, but I liked I liked. Bubbles' um, interpretation of this. He yeah. doesn't see it. 
you know, he doesn't see it as a regression. He doesn't see it as a something he has to do. It's something he wants to do, and yeah. he requires. He describes it as a profession. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a skill. He's and he's good at it. He's very good at it. Yeah. And Johnny Weeks seems. I don't know. At this point, you can see Johnny Weeks is getting. You know, Bubble says he's getting sick. You can see that that means Johnny needs a hit at some point. Yeah. And which is worse, like stealing or running scams or snitching? Obviously, in this in this world, it must be snitching. But I, I yeah. can't imagine what situation. I means guess corroborating with the cops is worse than worse than stealing. No, and I well, I agree, but it's easy for us on the outside oh, exactly, to apply yeah. that logic, isn't it? I guess for, I I think Johnny's just become so entrenched in the the game, and I guess mm. and that life that. He's adopted its rules, yeah. hasn't he? And snitching is an is absolute no. Absolutely, yeah. Whereas um, Bubbles is like kind of a rule breaker, a lot like Bunny and Stringer, I guess. You know, in that he's in the system, he's part of it, but he's finding his own way and and breaking the rules or twisting them. Yeah. So he's willing to do that, whereas Johnny isn't. So actually, the pair of them are a lot like Stringer and Avon. Yeah. In many ways, the two sides of the yeah, two sides of the same kind of coin. Yeah, one who is unwilling to change, and one who is doing their best to change a kind of immutable system. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you reckon of their scam? We haven't seen any any scam from them for a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> this sure. I fully believe it. <laughs> it was a pretty weak scam. I mean, it's not as good as the old days when uh, Bubbles had some fishing wire yeah, uh, oh, Looney Tunes style <laughs> over the over the side of a roof. <laughs> Uh, this was pretty straightforward and mundane, really, wasn't it? It was, but also I don't know if I was if I was on top of a ladder, someone was shaking it, yeah. and then someone comes to save me. Would I offer to give them money straight off, straight out of the bat, or I don't know? You're so tight, Kobe. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be doing the ladder scam on you anyway. No, not at all. Guys, I know. I'm with you. I, I I think it's a weird. It's an interesting impulse to mm. just give money to someone. I don't think I'd do that either. No. I'd, I'd be like, oh, thank you so much. You oh, exactly. saved me. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you for, thank you for that. Have a nice life. Yeah. What? What happens? You feel like it's like the awkward situation where you start walking the same way as someone after saying goodbye. It's like, what do we do now? <laughs> Amsterdam. The the one thing I'll say about Baltimore is whenever you thought you were shooting in a bad location, the next location would be worse. This is the voice of Johnny Weeks, played by Leo Fitzpatrick. Like scary and. I'm not sure if other people have mentioned this, uh, but I remember people hitting the trailers with bats, like running along the trailers and hitting them with bats. I remember people being stopped uh, with guns close to set, like whether or not they were coming to set or whatever. There was police that definitely caught people with guns. Um, What you have to remember is that you know, film crews are pretty intrusive and they don't, they don't take up one street. They take up like a whole neighborhood when they're filming. And for a lot of these people, they really worked those corners. And so they don't want to get $60 to be an extra because they're making $2,000 a night selling drugs or whatever. You know, the, the wire wasn't popular enough yet for people to care about it. Um, for them, it was just sort of something that's in the way of them making money. Okay, we started to get a bit more political in The Wire in this season. And here we have... There's a nice little scene where 
Carcetti's in the in his shared office with Tony Gray. Are they sharing, or they just happen to be? I, like, I'm out so glad you asked that question because I have no idea, <laughs> <laughs> and it's been bugging me as well. See, for ages when I was watching this, kind of both both times I'm watching the through the wire through, mm. I thought that Carcetti is Carcetti's office and Gray's just dropping by every time. It seems like he's but just like. It seems to be too convenient. Yeah, but like, why would he always be there? So maybe yeah. it is a shared office. Maybe it's a shared office, guys. Audience, you are be- you know this show better than we do <laughs> in many ways. Uh, so let us know if anyone has cracked the enigma of of the, of the shared office, the shared office between Carcetti and Gray. Uh, Carcetti's talking about a state's witness has been that's been killed, and he is rightly, in our, from our point of view, upset about it. Uh, Tony Gray kind of goes, eh. yeah, this yeah, kind of that are. Yeah, exactly. This this is what happens. Um, and what I was quite interested in this time watching it is that Carcetti really takes a stance on it. And I wasn't 100% sure whether that's him actually, that's his stance or that's him, the stance he has to portray because he wants to make a change or he wants to be mayor in, in Baltimore. Either way, it leaves Tony Gray kind of reeling and thinking, oh shit, what, what, am, I, am I on the wrong side of the coin here? Yeah, and it, I agree. I, I couldn't tell the difference mm. either. I don't, and I don't know. And I, and I think... That's kind of deliberate. Yeah. I don't think we're... Because I think Carcetti's so good at playing his game. Yes. And he's such a convincing politician that he's fooled even the audience. <laughs> like, we, like because he's quite convincing in that he does seem impassioned and that he believes it even when he's in the office with Royce. Yeah. But it could very well be a part of his game and we know he's playing a game and he has a goal. So, I think it's... Yeah, this just shows us... I, I don't. I don't think that there's an easy answer to this no. one, um, and it just shows us the grey area of politics, and that a very convincing politician could very well be deceiving you. But he's so convincing that he, like you said, he even convinces Tony Gray. Yeah. Like Tony Gray is on the Carcetti bandwagon. By the end, of, he's like, "Yeah, you." I, what did he say? He says at the end uh, in the in the council chambers in, or in the council meeting something like, "You, you've inspired me," or something. Really? Well, yeah, I mean, because yeah, yeah. in the next council meeting, you got in my head. He he starts having a go at, at Burrell. He like starts yeah. laying into him full, for like full tilt, and Carcetti's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, Dude. this is my thing. <laughs> yeah. A, this is my thing, and B, this is not. I've got a better way to do this. If you ream, I think he was thinking, if you ream Burrell out now, then there's no way we'll be able to get it through the system the way I want. Well, I yeah. envisage it to happen. So it sets it sets the two apart as uh, it shows their sort of differences in capability. So yeah. Carcetti is clearly the, has the lo- the, the, the eyes game. on the longer game yeah. and is probably smarter. Um, and it also shows that Tony is maybe a bit more um, influenced, um, certainly, or he picks he he sort of os- picked that up that cause by osmosis, sure. didn't he? So yeah. he seems a bit more laid back. Again, actually, we have a set, we have another duo like Bubbles and Johnny and Avon and Barksdale, who are again the two two coins. He's like Tony's leaned back and he's part of the system, and yeah, like you said, he's like yeah, another murder. This is Baltimore. Yeah, another day, another dollar. And, and Tommy. <laughs> Is is changing things, but we don't know what for what's, what, what's driving to what it. end. Yeah. yeah, I think David Simon tried to pretend that that wasn't Martin O'Malley. This is podcaster and academic Andrew Johnston, our Baltimore expert. I think David Simon tried to pretend, and sir, no, you're not fooling anyone. Oh, you gave him an Italian name instead of an Irish one. Mm-hmm. That's very clever. That's going to work. That is the most Martin O'Malley. That has ever been, that's more of a Martin O'Malley than the real human being Martin O'Malley. For those of you not familiar, Martin O'Malley 
was the mayor of Baltimore from 2000 to 2000, 2000 to 2006. Runs for governor, then starts being governor in 2007. He was our governor for eight years until our current governor, Larry Hogan, took over. And is reasonably well regarded in general. Like I said, he does the city stat and the state stat stuff. He sort of is like a technocrat in that way. He tries to bring really clear systems in. But he's also just got this sheen of corruption around him that is undeniable. Like, he is the epitome of the political machine. So let's, let's see what the Barksdales are up to um, and the Barksdale crew. There's quite a bit happens here. First of all, Cutty. Is, yeah, let's start with Cutty. Yeah, let's start with Cutty. I love Cutty. Yeah, everyone loves Cutty. Yeah. Um, so we see him back home with his Mima. Yeah, his grandmother. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, he's, he's kind of fallen back in with the, with the unruly gang. At the start, at least. Um, He's got a hangover. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, a really bad one. Is this directly after he had that big party with the, with the guys? I feel like that's implied, right? Yeah, literally, yeah. like the day after. Yeah. But his me- and his Meemaw's having, like, she's buying none of his bullshit, right? Yeah. Clearly. Like, she Meemaw knows better. He's like, why aren't you working? Oh, I'm now security at a club. Um, Orlando's. No, Orlando's is closed. I- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that happened in season. That happened in season one. She uh, <laughs> she definitely sees through it. Yeah. I think, and you can just you can kind of see the skept- skepticism and disappointment on her face. I think she sees through it, but I think she also wants to see the best in him. As yeah, with her as maternal all me- instincts. As all good mimas do. Absolutely. Um, what I love about Cutty rejoining Bartsell's crew is that even though he's been out of the game for a while, he's still. And he's not, he doesn't know what phone is. He hasn't seen a lot of these things. <laughs> yeah. He's still better than like the guys he's kind of stuck with, like Gerard and, and Sapper. Yeah. These two guys he's in the car with. He just steps in the car, says, he's got loads of money. Where's he going? Has he got a girlfriend? Check him out. They find out later in the episode that his girlfriend's getting all, these, all this jewelry and stuff like that. And he's, re- he's on it straight away. And these guys, it shows what experience, um, experience has that these guys don't have. And that's what any good crew needs. Yeah. And it's something you don't, it's interesting with the soldiers, you don't expect, um, you expect them to be all muscle and brawn and no brain. Yeah. But he's, he illustrates the opposite. Like, and, there's how, and it's also how much thought and psychology and experience needs to go into soldiering. Because mm. like, you don't just... And, and um, with the Sapper and Jared, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of displayed as you know, young and naive and idiotic. They're just, they, and they just kind of want to beat up people they're they're in it for that which is a bit weird Cuddy's better than that isn't he Cuddy's better Um, he is he cuts perhaps the most formidable figure out of everyone in in Barcelona's crew even more more so than Weebay maybe Little Man was bigger but you know when you see Little Man you probably think he's a bit cuddly (laughs) (laughs) if you ever say Little Man go give him a big cuddle (laughs) but uh, you think when you look at Cuddy you think right he could absolutely knock me right out if he wanted to with one with one right hook and so if I saw Cutty versus Little Man I'd go hey Little Man hey Cutty you're right good <laughs> yeah nothing to see here I'm good man but that's what's so good about Chad Coleman isn't mm. it because he's he's well, he's got the physicality yeah. like you say he's a big guy and he's got an intensity yes but it's also like he sells like an intelligence and a calmness but also like a um, he's just like there's something so likeable about him and his performance mm. isn't there you just can't help but love Cutty um, but like you say, also like respect and, and uh, because 
in this episode, we find out that uh, I can't remember the guy they're checking out, but his he is skimming money off the top. Jared and Sapper, um, they beat him up, and yeah. they're they're going to town on him. And at one point, Cutty says, "Guys, remember he works for us. If you beat him up too hard, then he can't repay his debts." So it's that kind of no, beat him up, rough him up, show him what's what's what, but don't like actually kill him because we want him to pay back. Yes, yeah. there's, there's no there's no there's no reason for going to the nth degree on this. Yeah, he shows like he's astute and has restraint. Yes, which is like. Again, two things you don't expect to see in a soldier or what we typically imagine a soldier to be. It's tempting to see Dennis Cotty Wise as a minor character, but the amount of time we spend with him should be a clue to the viewer to look further at what he represents. This is podcaster and wire expert Joe Kiley. Contrast Dennis's homecoming with that of Avon. A basement mattress compared to a downtown penthouse. A house party in a brothel compared to a private party downtown. A bus pass compared to keys to a navigator. Both men have exited a broken penal system, but it's Dennis who struggles to belong in a city which has moved on without him. Small wonder then that he re-enters the game when all other prospects are locked out to him. Dennis Wise is a cipher for the personal struggle for redemption against the overwhelming odds of recidivism. He's... He he sees capital as the gain, you know. And how did the capitalists? How did the first capitalists become the rich and the powerful who dominated? They did it through consolidating control over product. So if we go back to this country, Great Britain, in the 18th century, when they built the first factories, they were controlling the creation of product. Before that scene, though, one thing that does always kind of shock me is when we see this guy's girlfriend walking through and Jared and Sapper trying to talk to him, failing. Um, she's walking down the streets, kind of ignoring these two guys. Cutty's there watching them. But as she's walking towards Cutty, just, she doesn't see him and Cutty just slaps her. Like yeah. A proper slap. It's a shocking moment. It was. It is. Yeah. Um, and each time I see him, I'm still like, fuck, Cutty. <laughs> Dude, did you need to do that? It's pretty awful. But I, I guess from his point of view, again, like he did the most effective thing in that moment, right? As a, as a soldier. The yes. two guys weren't achieving their goal. No. She was walking away from them and he knew the way to get the job done the quickest. And just to be clear, that's not me defending no, no, not exactly. those actions at all. I'm just trying to sort of understand the why he did that. We should also say Cutty here meets the deacon briefly. Um, as a as a hookup for get, trying to get a job on the straight and narrow, and he finds and he quickly dismisses it as being too hard. Yeah, or at least not what he wants to do. And I, I like the deacon in the scene and how he, you know, he says y- you need to do the work. Yeah, here. it's not just like an easy. And it's uh, like you need to get your high school diploma. You need to do the work and cut his. Um, no. And this, you know, this is in line with where where Cuddy is right now, and he, you know, he tried he tried the straight and true as is the title of this episode. Yeah. And it is hard. And, you know, he had it's back-breaking labor and it's getting a GDE and qualifications. Not an easy road. So he's, you know, he's slipped into old habits, understandably. Two other key things. Stringer Bell the new, and the New Day Co-op has upgraded. We have now a horseshoe table <laughs> in a in some kind of hotel suite, it seems. Yeah. Um, covered in purple satin. With a nice little buffet, yeah, and everything, is. and a, and a secretary taking uh, taking notes. <laughs> taking on minutes ads is such a great moment. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing about the 
co-op again the greatest line in the wires history you taking notes at a criminal fucking conspiracy what is wrong with you the rules say we gotta take minutes for all meetings greatest line i love that line more than anything else in the series are you taking notes i'll drop out the the racial slur but are you taking notes at a criminal fucking conspiracy oh man uh also in this which i didn't notice um but we have kintel williamson in this in this co-op Really? He's okay, in, who, in, who is he? Tell, describe him to me. Well, I, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even find he's a picture there. of the dude on the internet. I felt, I've been looking for a picture of Kintel, and I felt like, a, um, I felt like the, M, the major crimes unit in season one trying to find a picture of Barksdale. Yeah, exactly. It? I needed Lester to come in from behind me and throw <laughs> down Kintel. a picture of Kintel. Uh, he's, n- he's noted in the credits, but I don't, know, I don't know specifically which one. I need to maybe stop and do a frame by frame and go, yeah. Because I've seen a picture in the... In the offsite, um, so I need to match it with a picture of someone in there. But right. he's he's in there. I didn't I didn't get a good glimpse of no, that it, in the you, offsite. I, I'm sure our audience, if someone someone has this freeze frame somewhere, you guys are brilliant do. at this. Let please us do. know. Producer Tom just jumping in here. Kintel Williamson, known as Prince K. Williamson, is a Jamaican drug kingpin from Baltimore's Park Heights on the northwest side. Kintel is recognisable by his long dreadlocks and beard. Kintel facts. He appears in three episodes, two in season three and one in season four. Um, but that's just a, a side by side, side a, a little aside. But the the biggest news in the Barksdale administration is that Barksdale's out. He comes home. Avon yes. is out. Yeah. What do you make of this? I thought it was kind of a joyous moment. Yeah. Right. I I felt like his joy. Like, <laughs> can you imagine how, what that would feel like? It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. He's just come out. His mates give him his new new threads, which he loves to bits. Yeah, I love how, how happy he was. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like discard, discarding the, the shackles of being in prison. Oh, throwing them out into yeah. the open air as he drives off. Yeah, it's a really like it's a striking visual, isn't it? It's, it's a really cool scene. Um, and then into the club and Barksdale's already he's straight back on it. He's not, well, first of all, he's been in prison for a few years. He's horny. So what's he, <laughs> yeah. he needs to I was going to put it a bit more delicately, but I like how you said it. Um, <laughs> he wants some loving, um, but he's also there. He's 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 looking around and seeing he's around him. He, he spots already Jared and Sapper, who he can see they're high straight away. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not down with that. So already he's back in forcing. He's back in a position of, of yeah. authority, uh, which I think is great. And it shows, well, it shows, again, that shows the difference between how he and Stringer run things. Yes. Stringer's almost gone, well, he's the bank now, isn't yeah, he? So he's, he's, he's so far ahead. He's yeah. so far ahead of, of beyond the day-to-day that he doesn't care about disciplinary actions, whereas Avon is just wants to run this small, tight, like, gang, basically, mm. or organisation. Um, you said about the bank. Tell us about the bank side of things. This is taking us into Storyline 6. Tell us what a bank is. Right, so we get... Um, well, I guess leading up to this, we get a quick uh, scene where McNulty has one, you know, he's getting nothing out of string. He's no. just bored to tears still, watching this still in the Still in the, the, the crappy following. Yeah, and he's got his one week that Lester gave him <laughs> to come up with something. So he kind of just goes for broke and goes into the print shop and confronts him. And they have this wonderful exchange <laughs> in which Stringer tries to sell him a condominium. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's like Stringer is just cool in this, isn't he? Absolutely like, living a life. I He's love loving this. it. Um, and McNulty gives as good as he gets with. So they, I mean, they, they've got chemistry. These yeah, two, don't these they? two are fantastic. Yeah. I, I need to see these guys. Dominic West and Idris Elba, we need to see you guys in more stuff together, TV or film, because yeah. I think it would just be amazing, just generally. Yes. Um, but this this scene, he just coolly hands over the business card. If you want a condo, it'll be eight months down the line, I'll get you something nice. It's like, Manolte must have been thinking, fucking hell, you you absolute bastard. He play. I love her, and I love his line, which is the epigraph for this, which I had such fucking high hopes for us. <laughs> String. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's like, it's like a, bre- it's a breakup scene, isn't it? Is. it? Yeah, it In is many a ways. Scene. Yeah, it's a Dear John letter. Yeah. See, where you living, man? Where am I living? Well, if you're thinking of coming downtown, I got some condos about to come on the line in eight months. You say the word, I'm gonna hook you up something nice down there by the Hippodrome. Loft apartments. Real nice. You disappoint me, String. I had such fucking hopes for us. <laughs> Have a nice day, officer. And like, String, yeah, they're basically, McNulty's realized it's not gonna work out between them. <laughs> and he walks away. He walks away from the relationship and he goes back to Leicester, and that's when. He says he's the bank now. Yeah, Lester, Lester calls him the bank. Which yeah, means he's he's. They've got so much legitimate cash behind them that he's funding everything. But he's so far away from it that you'll you'd never tu- he'll never touch anything, never touch, and you'll yeah. never touch him. I like that Prez. Prez's only role in this whole season so far mm. is just to be like and the audience surrogate, isn't he? He is in a moment. Like, yeah. What's a bank? <laughs> <laughs> well, Prez <Yeah>. Belusky. <laughs> It's like he's serving no other function. He doesn't even get any riddles to do, no code cracking. He's basically just background. Because what you do see is a stringer in a class trying to understand business. This voice needs no introduction. For those that do need the introduction, this is Clark Peters. And he has grand notions. He also has those underworld connects as well. And that's kind of what happened. You know, they... um, yeah, um, they would flip properties. In no, I mean, when I say properties, I mean like whole blocks. Yeah, you know, uh, that might be why. And as I'm saying this, that might be why West West um, West Baltimore is not coming up because maybe those were the properties as well that were being um, used as collateral for for the future, knowing that they were going to. Um, be sold on and developed and someone would make some money further down the line. But one point to note is although Stringer has been declared the bank, uh, Kima does spot him and uh, coming out, going into and coming out of a, a meeting with Marlowe and she quickly calls McNulty over and that then Rick kind of reignites their fire that, okay, there is actually something going on here. It's not, yeah. it's not too far removed to be declared the out-and-out bank. There is, there's still something in there in, his, in him basically. Uh, yeah, and I love how she teases this out with McNulty yeah. and basically surprises him, <laughs> wait for it. Um, how good was the scene with uh, String and Marlowe? Marlowe just doesn't give a fuck. He's a cold... Yeah. Oh, he's he's terrifying, isn't he? Is it that he's just so single-minded? Because everything that String was saying to him, obviously you can see you can see why this co-op has formed, you can see why other people are joining it, because, hey, it makes sense. If Prop Joe's in there, then... If you know Prop Joe, you must think there's something to it. But Marla just doesn't... He just wants to play the rules by his own... He wants to play by the game by his own rules. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's he's playing the same game as Avon. Yeah. They want they want to play the same game together. 
and Prop Joe and Stringer want to play a different game. Yeah, they're trying. They're trying to change the rules, and Marlowe's not interested, and Avon aren't interested, yeah. and and they're just they're just old school. They're you know they're sit they're part of that system, and that's how things are done. And and there's an element of I think bloodlust, mm. and you know clearly we see with um, Avon as well. It's not about money. He's not impressed by money he's no. a little bit impressed about the apartment for a minute but that's not why he does this it's not there's not, not there's no what, amount of money that will make him satisfied no that's not what's driving him is it no this this is where it gets way darker I, I think this is the voice of Andy Brassel who is one of the hosts of the Football Ramble and on the Continent podcast and is a huge fan of The Wire it's, it's funny when you get to know Marlowe and his enforcers and his organisations his organisation, you just think, oh, I miss the, the cuddly days of uh, the Barksdale organisation when, you know, it was all sweetness and light, which of, of course it wasn't. But in comparison, Marlowe is, is, is totally cold. My favorite new character in season three of The Wire is Cuddy. This character has an awesome career arc with real inner turmoil and great change as a person. Beautifully acted. It's great to see a character from the streets that you can root for and who makes a positive impact on the lives of others and is fearsome all the way through. And thank you very much for that, Burner. If you want to hear your voice on the wire strips, then it's very simple. All you have to do is send a voice memo to burner at thewirestrip.com, or you can go to our social media, The Wire Strips, on Twitter and on Instagram, and you can find our WhatsApp message number where you can send a voice memo directly to us. Yes, we have an actual burner phone. And this yeah. week, we'd love to know what's your favourite scene from season three? Yeah. Before we go to the show, we just want to take a moment to talk about our Patreon. Uh, you can find us, we are patreon.com forward slash The Wire Stripped or go to patreon.com and type in The Wire Stripped into the search field and you will, and we'll pop up, basically. It's very simple. That's how search fields work. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, you will gain access to all sorts of rewards if you join up to one of our tiers. Uh, things like you get a priority burner access, so you your burner message goes to the front of the queue. Uh, you get early access to our episodes a week before everyone else uh, you get to hear our full length interviews with the cast and the crew um, and you get to submit questions for future interviews that we do yeah that's just super important because we've still got two more seasons to record and also hoping to get some more people uh, for the rest of this season so yeah you guys get to submit the questions and we'll read them to the cast and the crew and very special people we will get Idris <laughs> Elba one day oh one day one day Idris <laughs> If, if anyone has a connect to Idris, you know, tell him we're looking Let for Let us him. know. If you're listening. I presume he's been listening this whole time. He's just not, not interested in coming on our show. <laughs> so all of the money that goes to our patron will go to the Ella Thompson Fund, which is a charity that's supported by the cast and the crew of The Wire. Yeah, and uh, the Ella Thompson Fund helps to provide uh, children in many of Baltimore's neighbourhoods that need it most with uh, recreational opportunities that they might not otherwise get. Uh, and she was a, a, a massive figure in, in Baltimore and was named uh, Baltimore Person of the Year, I believe. Oh, there you go. More than, Bal- more than Bunny. Baltimorean of the Year in 1998. So, 
So Bunny came after her then. <laughs> I can only presume and, that Bunny is an honorary Baltimorean of the year. And then Cutty, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Close second. But yeah, no, yeah, but do support us, guys. We are uh, we are patreon.com forward slash the wire strips. We'd love to see you there and love everyone who's taking part so far. It's really, really important to us. So one of the perks of joining us on Patreon is that we give a shout out to our patrons. Uh, so here is the list of the newest patrons. We have Catherine McDermott, Steve Lieber, Anders Ericsson, Love Hempel, Graham Marshall, Rowan Brunswick, Chris Harrison, Mike Tobin, Steve Latif, Victor Morales, Bill Kalmartin, Arne Engerhansen and Jackie Hughes. Thank you so much, guys, for supporting our patron and the Ella Thompson Fund. Okay, Amsterdam. Amsterdam starts. Get your visas. Get your visas, Amsterdam. (laughs) This is so great. So, well, we we kind of start with a dejected bunny hanging around the corridors yeah. with his team. Nothing has worked so far and he, you know, asks for suggestions. Carver says, I've got it. <laughs> I've got a crack plan. We double down on everything we've been doing. Go round, bust even more heads. And Bunny's just like some more of the same. Yeah. And this is like, this is like Bunny's whole frustration with everything, isn't yeah. it? It's just more of the same that, and it's not, nothing's working. So, but then he gets the great idea. Um, From the ComStat meeting. Yes, because there's that great line about um, shit rolling downhill. Yes. Yes, which is an incidental line to Bunny in a ComStat. And then he gets the light bulb moment. Because previously to that, they've been trying to round up the hoppers and round up the underlings. Um, but then they, yeah, of course. They don't have the real power. They don't have the real power yeah. and... If those guys did something wrong, they would get out, they would get shot. But yeah. if you, rightly so, he said it's the middle management. Yeah, and I love but how he just he says yeah. that he feels their pain. Yeah, he knows exactly. it'll work because he's middle man. He's, yeah, he's there. Exactly. He knows what it's like. Um, and it's really cool. They rounded them up. Apart from Marlow, again, this is testament to Marlow saying no. <laughs> I don't want to be yeah. a part of this. Um, There's a nice little scene with Herc and Carver there, and, and Marlow and his gang, and. Herc not being able to read the situation that if he kept him pushing, that they would get brained or killed or shot or whatever. And Carver's like, not today, Herc. Let's uh, let's leave it alone. Let's, let's More proof that he's the smart one. Yeah. And exactly. Kima's watching their back the whole time, waiting. Like, yeah. even Kima can see that shit's about to go down. Exactly. And she's Miles across back. the road looking at binoculars mm. and Herc's up in his face, <laughs> not realising <laughs> what he's about to do. Um, but we get Hamsterdam get started and they... Yeah, the lieutenants kind of go, let's get some, let's try it out. And it starts out, but in, in a great way, which I hadn't considered when we first watched this, is that they get all, all the drug dealers there, but there's no there's no customers. I know, right? So they're starting to yeah. leave. <laughs> so it's like, success, we did it. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, wait, yeah. this isn't how an economy works. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Supply and demand. There's no demand here. So we're going to go. And I love how, so they round up all the, all the, the customers, yeah. so to speak. Um and I love Johnny Weeks's sort of reaction <laughs> as he comes out into this this weird new environment <laughs> where there's police. The police let him out, and then everyone's shouting, "The get your WMDs and your spider bags!" And you know, I love the names. For Brilliant. The drugs, yeah, WMD is one of my favourite. Was it Santanzo is one of the guys that's um, that's rounding him up? Isn't yes. He? And he has, and he actually says he has got a line which is something like, "Oh, you've got to try that WMD stuff. I hear it's cracking or something." No, he said it's it's the bomb. It's the bomb. Yeah, yeah. All <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I hear the uh, WMD is the bomb. WMJ, right chair. WMD, right chair, right chair. Any other thoughts on this episode, Dave? Yeah, I thought. Um, 
I thought it was interesting. We saw we saw a lot about the Comstat meeting and Rawls grilling for numbers and data mm. and how they're starting to affect their procedures and their actions in the in the police based on data. So we saw an example of cars are being stolen at at night time, more at night time, so they're going to change the shifts accordingly. Yeah. Which in itself makes sense, I guess, <laughs> in that moment. However, I think it's interesting to look at Comstat as a structure and as a, as a process and a way of guiding policy for police. When you start looking at data and numbers, um, without and that's context. what you're chasing. Yeah, without, exactly, without any context mm-hmm. and without any like actual um, qualitative knowledge of the community and the issues that are affecting it which is what Bunny is trying to do. And it's it, it never is it highlighted more clearly than in this episode when Bunny is trying to find who the who the actual lieutenant drug dealers are. Yeah. And that information doesn't exist in his in his unit even though those guys are out there every day. Carver's not interested. Basically says I don't I don't know who these guys are. They just they just bust heads in an ineffective manner. There's no talk, there's no they're not part of the community, they're not talking to each other. And he goes through what is he? He goes to homicide, he goes to vice. Yeah. Um he he's hunting for this information. Nobody has the names, nobody even knows who these people are. It's a stunning lack of of information, yet they're all chasing numbers and it's based on uh arrest rates and murder rates and and then the politicians are driving these numbers so they can get re-elected and it's it's just this it, the, vicious I, circle it's a vicious circle and the and data can distract by making it making you think that you're achieving results when you're not achieving anything until until that moment where he finds this gold mine of information in um in the, in MCU. the mcu and this made me think of the 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 other MCU of the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe, because I got, I got this like it was a wonderful crossover moment, wasn't it? When Bunny walks into the MCU, and he's sitting there with all our guys, and we know these guys, and we've yeah, come, like, we've come to love hey, Bunny. Finally, yeah, together. It's like it's this brilliant crossover, and then even better, McNulty comes in, and he's like, "Hey, he knows McNulty." Yeah. Oh, push it up, <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> push, push it up. It up. <laughs> um, but prior to that, I was kind of I was disappointed in Carver, because when when Colvin says. Who are these guys? Who do we need? To, who are the lieutenants? And Carver's like, I don't know. I don't really care. And but Carver's been part of this MCE. He's been part of a bigger case. You would have thought at least he would have taken some names or noted stuff down. Whether he thought straight away he's going to be using it. Yeah. But he's now got the the three stripes and he's now leading a crew. And maybe he's just thinking, oh, let's let's bust a few heads. This is quite fun. Yeah. He clearly hasn't learned any lessons no. from Freeman and and all, does he? And Daniels and all, all those guys. So. To be fair, though, when Herc and Carver were in the MCU, they were pretty much just used to like move uh, furniture <laughs> around. <laughs> Carver wasn't, you know, up to speed on that. Um, none of my other men, all my other men, were about. Um, about beating heads, you know, and throwing them in wagons. We got to speak to the absolute legend and gentleman that is Robert Wisdom, the man that brought Bunny Colvin to life. So it just revealed the limits of modern policing, you know, um, and it and it revealed uh, the you know, the light. I didn't have the training to figure that out, you know, so thank God Deacon was there and could say, look, <laughs> You bet. You got a. You got a hell of a thing about to happen here if you don't get it right. In this episode, uh, Teresa 
or Terry D'Agostino meets McNulty and they have a bit of fun. Bit of sexy time. Yeah, a bit of sexy time. Has there been sexy time so far in the wire this season? Uh, yeah, we well we had Cotty um, disappearing into a room. That's right. Yeah, um, we, with somebody in a nightclub, and we, we uh, had some attempted sexy time with McNulty peering through the the peephole. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had we <laughs> in that wonderful shot. Oh. Um, we also had uh, oh, we're just listing off sex scenes now in yeah, season let's... three of the wire. <laughs> we also had um, gross kissing from String and uh, oh. Danette. Why is that? Um, so, why is that so gross? Fruit. Idris Elba is the world's sexiest man as declared by some magazine <laughs> why is it so gross <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> love you String love Some, you Idris something's but. wrong there's a disconnect <laughs> I I have one major issue sure with this episode and it's a big one Kobe what is it I normally don't take issue with the wire because it's near perfect yeah you best not do but there's a scene with McNulty and his kids and these kids are playing Halo very clearly the video game Halo right. on the Xbox. You're a gamer, the original Xbox. Yeah, yeah, big gamer. And the sound effects and audio that the sound uh, product, either the production designer or the sound editor, I don't know how this stuff works, but somebody did not select the audio of Halo. They went for generic uh, pew 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 <laughs> noises. Like eight bit noises on a on a next gen system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, whatever it was, it was not Halo, and it drove me nuts. And to, most most people wouldn't care or notice, but if anyone was a, a, a first gen Xbox Halo fan like I was out there, and you watched the scene, I'm sure that just really grinds your gears. <laughs> Right, that's it for this week. Next week is episode six. It's called Spider-Man Homecoming. No, just Homecoming. Yeah. 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 Spider-Man's not in this one. Oh, he's in New York. He's in New York. Different city. Queens. Queens specifically. (laughs) Unless he goes to Europe and then it's far from home. Uh, But, you know, you know. (laughs) We've got to stop doing Marvel shit on this podcast. (laughs) People are not here for Marvel. Well, thank you very much for listening to our episode if you do want to contact us we are at producers at the wire strips and also you can find us on uh on instagram and twitter at the wire strips yes and uh, a huge thank you to martin and sam from the song by song podcast who created uh the theme of the the, the cover of uh, tom waits way down in the hole which you're hearing right now thanks to simon devro aka devs noodles uh for the artwork for this season and a huge thank you to superstar Obi Joshua, who uh, we could not have made season three without. No, uh, no. And he is an amazing producer and is going through all of the interviews you hear and finding the best bits for us. Thanks to uh, Ben Williams for his production support and editing for this season. And of course, uh, a big thank you to T-Bone himself, Mr. Tom Wally, series yeah. producer and editor and the glue of, uh, and, the fun, and the fun fact brigade. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Tom. We love you. Okay, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. You just heard a stripped media production.